friends, welcome back to the Film Alchemist podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, joined as always by my whitest, angriest co-host. Juror number 13, Alex Dandino. Juror number 13, so white, so angry. Uh, all right, you guys probably guessed the movie, but before that, <laughs> a little business. If you could take a second right now, leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show, especially if that happens to be Apple Podcast app. means the world to shows like us. Um, I actually wanted to take a minute. We got one this week, or like a, two weeks ago. We record a little in advance. Austin A. Paul. Wow. I tweeted about it, and I don't know if it found him, so I'm hoping maybe he'll hear it on this show. Uh, it made both of us tear up Brother. it means the world to us when people take time out of their day yeah to say a kind word let alone austin just a poet i'm not gonna lie broke us down i was having the worst day <laughs> and i got like i got roughly within the last span of like the last three days i got like four rejections for something i've been working a couple things i'm working on Change and the life then we but we got that and i was like oh that uh that perk yeah. that perks it up right there there's a little yeah, it's uh, I mean, it, it was it'll get you going. Lovely, lovely way to start the day. So, like I said, guys, it is free. It takes a couple seconds, but when you guys do that for podcasts, it people do see that. Yeah. It does mean a lot to them. So, I just wanted to say, in case uh, Austin like and Paul, here's it. Uh, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Um, so yeah, ratings, reviews, guys, wherever you find Apple Podcasts, go to YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Film Alchemist. You can see video versions of most of our podcasts over there and some other cool stuff we're working on over there. So, uh, again, Film Alchemist on YouTube. You can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com or find us on any social media site you're on. That's a great way to get a hold of us. Let us know movies you'd like to hear covered, uh, themes for a month, guest host, double features, whatever you want. If you want to put in an early call for uh, October Madness Month, Anything you guys want, we want to give that to you. So reach out to us uh, by any means necessary. I do read them all and uh, compile a list, so I do see here mm -hmm. and read what you say. Thanks again, guys, for all your work. All right. Time to get angry. Uh, today's final courtroom movie, 12 Angry Men. I have to say, I remember seeing this in film school and being enthralled by it. I kind of always carried this beef against the film is that it feels a little cheating to me sometimes when we just put plays on film. Right. And, and I don't always think that's necessarily. I know, but I, there's something about the cinematic art. What I realized today watching it wow. is that not only is this maybe the most compelling legal movie we've done all month. Right. As far as laying out a case and watching the true consequence of it, this is the last this is the last uh, second before the waterfall, right? This is super intriguing. Yeah. And I was shocked by how much more cinematic this film was than I remembered. Loaded with great performances. It's really, I mean, it's insanely intense. It's essentially a one-room stage play, right? We have a couple diversions, but it always feels very connected and in the moment. Only three minutes of the film is shot outside that location. Yeah, and, it, and it, it's very naturalistic, right? So... I, I was so much more impressed with this movie that I even remembered loving than before. Alex, opening thoughts on 12 Angry Men. You know, we always differ in this in opinion. Like, I, I love plays. Like, I love theater. So, to be honest with okay, you. Okay, I love plays, too. 
Let me stage. finish my sentence before you jump in, all right? You got me here? Huh? You get me hot and angry now. <laughs> oh, sorry, juror number three. Jesus. No, no, I'm trying to be 13. Yeah, like, I, I love plays. Like, I love theater in general. So, like, I don't have nearly the issue. I understand, like, the translation. Yes, and sometimes it's done so terribly. Like, you watch, like, plays get filmed, and you're like, you couldn't, have, like, move the camera once. You couldn't have done yeah. any, you couldn't have been bothered to do <laughs> anything different here. Well, let me put this. You'll know this because as guys who write screenplays and comics, right? Yeah. When I was a screenplay analyst, my favorite thing was when people would send me notes or like, hey, can you do notes on this? And it was their failed screenplays that they're like, yeah, I'm just going to turn it into a comic. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah that's how that works. That's fair. It's right? the exact same medium thing. matters. Yes. And again, I do think this movie does a splendid job. It does. Like, for being a one... Like, there's plays that do the one location bit that get translated to movies that don't work very well because, like, it really, like... You can't understand, unless you're sitting in a theater, how important the theater experience is. Great example. A Few Good Men, which we did not cover this month. A Few Good Men started out as a play. It was one of Aaron Sorkin's first successful plays. The play takes entirely takes place in a courtroom in the play. Had they done that in the movie, Aaron Sorkin, we would have never heard from him again. Like there's just no way <laughs> something as interesting as that works from a film standpoint. If you don't start giving it outside perspective and so on and so forth. 12 angry men is very different though. 12 angry men. You get him in there. You Shut the heat. You shut the uh, the fan off. The heat comes. The heat starts boiling. Like everyone, like the performances have to be in this compressed environment. And yeah, like this is. I didn't realize this is Sidney Lumet's like first movie. Lumet. Yeah. Lume, uh, sorry, my bad. I'm uneducated. Oh, I was just guessing. I have no idea. You know, I can't pronunciate names. No. <laughs> but this is Sydney. <laughs> yeah, Sid. Old Sid over there. Old Sid. Old there. Sid L. Yeah. yeah. But. <laughs> what is fascinating about the setup of this right because it's it's hard to make just people yapping at each other cinematic right we're so and especially now you can look at the old studies right back in uh you know the 40s there would be you know 10 cuts every so often now it's like like just flying through cuts right it's constant yeah visual bombardment mm -hmm. And so it's very different in how you watch. And it's hard to just put a camera in a room with 12 crotchety old bastards and be like, hey, uh, talk amongst yourselves. This will, Like, imagine uh, a Thanksgiving dinner where it's just like all your uncles, like right. replicated, like raised yeah. by wolves out across the table. And you'd be like, kill me now. Right. You'd be Brundle flying yourself. That's what this movie asks us to do. Right. But they have this great, not only is it, life or death right so it's these enormous right. fucking stakes but it's also this indictment on this this is one of the things that i didn't realize right we did law-abiding citizen devil's advocate exorcism of emily rose this is the scariest it is legal movie we did because imagine in the world we live in right now where everyone is so polarized and political about everything everyone's so fucking jazzed up and what this movie asks us to do is Assume that those 12 people decide your fucking fate, right? right? And the movie does a great job of tackling, you know, the lenses of lived experience and POV. Just imagine any 12 people you know and be like, yeah, I'd be totally cool with them just deciding yeah. if I'm going to the chair or not. I, I mean, mean, 
that's it's the, crazy. That's the thing that's really interesting about the movie in general is twofold. One, horrifyingly apt for 2021. Like this movie was made in fucking 1957. And you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. there's a MAGA guy in there. I see him right there. Um, <laughs> Well, you're just like, we could probably have learned back then, like, yeah. hey, talk nice. I mean, it's just <laughs> talk nice. But um, the other thing that I think is really fascinating is this is also the only movie that we're doing. And I don't know if there's any other movies that I mean, I guess there's one other, but we wouldn't have done it. Um, is uh, this is the only one that is not taking place in the physical courtroom. Like we do. This is everything after um, this is the deliberations. And it's I love that we're ending on this one, too, because it really does feel apropos given like what we've done we've done like exorcism we've done split personalities we've done the devil himself but the real devil is man like this is truly like one of those things where you watch and you just like Jesus i have Christ. a theory i'll, I'll unroll on you, oh, you, th you, th you think john what Milton's was your there? other film i was yeah i was gonna say what was your other film howard the duck which is just a total trial against humanity in cleveland <laughs> Oh, don't oh, worry. I'm just the first alien. I'll be over here jizz hopping. No big deal. <laughs> but, but what is? Because this is a, the movie starts right where they're kind of reading us the this is a serious first. This is the most serious case you can have, yeah. life or death. I had forgotten about this because I think in my mind I just started the movie in the room, right? Mm -hmm. But that final shot when they leave, because I always thought the movie does this really brilliant trick, right? Where they lay out the case as it's presented to them, right? And I think all of us, as soon as we're in a courtroom, right? Because I've done jury duty. <laughs> I actually got out of jury duty. I was going to ask you, have you way. done actual jury duty? Yeah. So okay. I got I got called in in L.A. <laughs> this is really bad. I probably shouldn't say this. But I was in L.A. and I was like, fuck, I got to get out of here. It was all sweaty. This guy next to me was just had like four Mountain Dews. And I'm like, I don't trust anything in this room. <laughs> I was, You know how I am. I'm real fidgety when I'm in like groups. Yeah. And I start like judging and I don't have anyone to do my bits to. So I walked up to the lady and she's like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I think I need to be excused. She's like, yeah, what's wrong? And I was like, my wife. She's like, what do you mean? Well, we just had a first baby. Hey, congrats. I was like, oh, thank you. And I was like, yeah, I'm afraid my wife's going to kill our baby. And she's like, what? And I was like, yeah, I didn't like the look on her eye. Oh, when my I left. God, I was like, shut up. You did yeah, I was not like, do I that. I think she's having a postpartum thing. I got a real scary text. <laughs> I was like, I'm afraid she's going to go after my son, <laughs> my firstborn son. And she's like, really? And I was like. I'm real scared. You can see how sweaty I am. She didn't know I'm always sweaty. Right. And so, so she let me out of jury duty because I told her my wife was going to murder our baby. And so I called Amy. She's like, why are you calling me? Are you in selection? I'm like, oh, I just told the lady you're going to murder a baby. I'm at McDonald's. <laughs> and she's like, this is an abortion of the American legal. I was like, don't throw that word around. It was a whole fight, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, oh, why are you getting so hot yeah. about that? But that's what I mean. I was like, I could have been in one of those rooms. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I thought, right, as uncomfortable as I was sitting in that room, because this is the I love that. But again, back to that first shot, though, I had forgotten that they show us the kid. Yeah. And it's a it's an important thing in the movie, because the whole start of this is 11 against one guilty. And they lay out the case and it seems pretty fucking crystal clear that this kid did it right. Eyewitnesses, certain knife, doesn't remember what movie he saw. Mm -hmm. a lot of this year so they're laying out the case right when we're in a courtroom i think we're trained to presume a crime was done right. i think it's only natural that we assume that this person has something to do with it mm -hmm. but that opening shot where we see them walk away from the back of his head i thought they left him a faceless defendant they show him and he's a fucking 
like Bambi eyed child. Right. Right. And I forgot that the movie does that because it feels like the only time where they're trying to unfairly influence us. But I don't know if the movie could have survived past it. Did you what did you make of that moment? I mean, for me, it's interesting because. To me, the audience is the one who has to make the decision. Like you, we are the other members of the court. We are the other members of the jury that are walking into that juror box and walking into that. Um, what do they call it? The the like deco- dais? No, the, like the de- the decomp chamber. Whatever they make, wherever they make the fucking jury go and hang out for like hours on end before they make their deliberations. Like I, um. God damn it. My dad's me so pissed that I don't remember what it is. Um, but either way, um, <laughs> like for me, it's fascinating. Cause like you see that and you're like, okay, I have like, I have an, I have an image in my brain, but I gotta be honest. As soon as we got probably to the 20 minute mark, I started forgetting what the kid looked like. And I just knew he was an 18 year old kid. Like, I think this is like a really fascinating thing. The movie does is because you see the kid and your immediate assumptions are, well, maybe he did it. Like, again, like everybody goes in like it's an open and shut case. Like everyone knows it. And then you yeah. see Peter Fonda. And like, I think this is really fascinating. You're hoping you're Peter Fonda, even though you fucking know you aren't. Like, it's Dude. a really important thing in this movie. And I hate to be that guy, but like everyone walks into this movie knowing they aren't Peter Fonda and praying to God they are. And they're not like, we all, are. Well, we all have, a, we all have our presumptions. Yes. Well, the two things you said that I, I would discuss, right. Is one, I think the thing, cause this movie has a problem at its core, which is I think when we see the Bambi eyed kid, we know it's a movie, 12 angry men, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. I think you would presume watching the movie that this kid's going to get, get off with it. Right. Although I, I, it's hard. I have to put myself back in that time. Could this have been one of the great movies where it does go south and we get that Atticus Bench moment of Peter Fonda like, this is the American system, right? Right. Had this come out in the 70s, I think Peter Fonda loses. Well, there's like And this- it becomes this indictment on America because it's the 50s. This is still kind of the, the Mr. Smith goes to jury duty, I was, right? I was going to say, there is this like Capra... Yes, there's like this like Capra leftover, but it's 57. This it feels much more real and feels much more impactful because right there is this because there is this like level of altruism and there or I guess altruism is the wrong one, but there is this level of kind of like avenging and like public defending, like legislating essentially from your station as a juror, and yeah. you want so badly to defend the right, but like it puts the whole thing on trial. Like it puts us as people on trial. (laughs) Yeah. And we, we don't do great. Right. But this is the thing. To your point, it's not even that I wanted to be Peter Fonda in this movie, but I was, it's, it's, this is what scared the shit out of me about this movie. Right. It's because again, all the other movies is about the chicanery of lawyers, right? Right. They have all their tricks and oh, I'll catch him on this. I'll catch him in a wordplay. And they talk about how they're playing games with the jury. But in most of those movies, the juries just remain this fucking blank peanut gallery in the corner. Right. What this movie reminds us of, right, is all that fucking, you know, 
Richard Gearing and Al Pacinoing and all the shit we've seen, right? Mm -hmm. All the slick talk, fancy lawyer shit. What then happens is 12 people, 12 fucking random people, although not fully random because they're like selected to, you know, fit the mold of lawyers, whatever. But 12 of your peers, air quotes, go in the fucking back and they redo the whole fucking case. Yeah. Right. This is this is why I think talking politics sucks nowadays. Right. (laughs) It's because like I live in Indiana, so I don't agree with most of my neighbors politically. Right. But what I found is it's even hard to try to have a talk about it because you can just hear, oh, this is what like whereas we might agree on something. Inevitably, it turns into the talking points, right? Oh, I listen to this podcast. So I say their talking points is like a weaponized gotcha. They listen to the opposing podcast. They got their points, right? Imagine that in a court of law. And what this movie does, it brings in 12 blank men, right? And we don't know their names. We don't know anything about them. And the movie does a fucking brilliant i mean this is one of the great screenplays right i mean technically it's a stage play but still but it's adapted for screen and it's amazing how much we learn and know about these men and we don't even hear fonda's name until the end no and we only learn two names we only learn two names throughout the movie i mean because it doesn't matter because their we are their faceless. inner that's soul the comes point. through and that's more important yeah i mean yeah. it's like it's it's like lord of the fly it's lord of the flies but you know men and they're just as bad as the children. Like it's, it's to me, it's a really important thing to not know their names. Like at the end, it's fine. Like we're done, but like not knowing their names gives them. Yeah. Like it gives, gives them the soul. It's yeah. the soul of the person. Like they have, well, I like, don't know if you thought this right, but when Fonda says his name, that last shot is so fucking horrifying because it's not like, what's your name? Jesus part two. It's just, I'm a guy. Oh, I'm also a guy. And they just fucking walk off into the world like nothing happened. This man is going to have life again. And they just walk off. Because again, we all hope there's a fucking Peter Fonda back there fighting the good fight. Probably probably not. not. But I mean, right? to me, it's, it's horrifying in the sense that <laughs> this is like the 2021 sensibility for me. It's like, it's horrifying in the sense that these men sat there deliberating over the life of a teenager said yay or nay over the course of an hour and a half and then they just looked at each other and said well i guess that's our civic duty i'm gonna go home now like i'm gonna go home and eat my cold dinner and i don't know trying to have sex with my wife but probably go straight to bed like that's (laughs) like this really weird and kind of incalculable thing that i'm not sure when you see it the first time but it's it's like a big deal that you can just yeah. shut it off. Like this is your civic duty. You literally just sat there and like, I think about like the only other thing I've ever seen of like jury, for instance, is there was a documentary that HBO did a long time ago. And I think she actually might've just done a one woman show or some bullshit, but it was one of the jurors from the OJ Simpson trial. Oof. She described the um, level of scrutiny that they had to do for um, jury selection and the actual like she um, talked about her 12 angry men moment like she was sitting there and like it was a scene where it was straight out of 12 angry men where a guy was like well i don't know i mean like you know he killed her and he killed her and she like threw the book with the autopsy photos across across the room and it was open to a page of nicole simpson's head and she's like he cut her fucking head off 
Like, but she describes this moment and you're like, this (laughs) is like so dramatic. And then we watch this movie and quite frankly, like, I don't know if it is. Maybe that's how people act when they're in the, like, whatever that chamber is. This is the difference between that, right? Because OJ was like a national, kids who are younger than that and didn't live through it. I don't think we'll ever Kids who are younger than us. OJ Simpson was a football player who murdered his wife. (laughs) But like when I was in sixth grade, I remember vividly this one lunch where we talked about our theories where I was like, he could have just had a, a plane and thrown the murder weapon out over like one of those, you know, fucking empty states. Yep. And like I was in sixth grade. Yeah. Like, what the fuck were we doing? Ta- but like it was so big. We got we stopped our school. I got pulled out of reading in sixth grade to go watch the verdict. And so but that's that's like a huge scale celebrity case, right? This is a man's life, but there's no scrutiny. Like you said, they leave. There's no press. There's no nothing. No, It's so matter of fact. And the callousness with which these people take the, you know, the power of the state, but not only the state, them right. to take this man's life is really it's it's very casual. And that's what's kind of crazy because they walk in. They're all just kind of chit chatting. And it takes a while before we start seeing the real angriness of the right. men. And what's what's wild is because it's not about the case or the court as an institution. No. What you see is that they start having these interpersonal battles. And the one thing the movie kept asking me, if juror number three and juror number 10, the old racist guy, Mm -hmm. weren't such bags of shit, (laughs) would that guy have gone to jail? If they had not just insulted two or three of these guys brutally from the start of the the talk, mm-hmm. would they have just not swayed? Because when, um, God, what the fuck's his name? From The Odd Couple. When he turns, right? He's like, I grew up in the slums. You know, stop talking about me like that. Oh, Jack Klugman? He, yeah, yeah, when Klugman's dehumanized, now he's furious, right? Right. Because now it's him. They're attacking him, not faceless, non-white teenager. Right. right. But if they hadn't done that to him, right? On the second blind vote, if they hadn't fucking crushed him like that, would this guy have just been done? No. It's the it's the the you catch more flies with honey than I mean, you know, vinegar. Yes, like obviously there is a um certainly a temperament <laughs> to twelve yeah. angry men that I would say is like again, actually it's an it's an odd choice for a title for me because by and large, there's only like two actually angry men in there. Most of them are pretty even tempered. I will say this, though. I bet if we had the Vegas scoreboard up, how many of the jurors do you think said, hey, you don't have a right to talk to me that way? <laughs> like, I think every single juror says that at one point. All of them have, they have this moment, moral yeah. indignation. Like, how dare you? Right. But I mean, like, <laughs> to me, the. But, to, but pause on that for a sec. Why 12 Angry Men? Why is that the title? Because it's definitely not 12. Peter Fonda's. I mean, no. maybe he's like righteously I mean, angry. You know, he gets a, mad once at a game of tic-tac-toe. From a writing perspective, I'm assuming it's 12 even-tempered men. Did not sound as good. but <laughs> 12 I'm, totally chill bros that are going to work 12 chill out. bros did not go over well in the, <laughs> in the writer's room. They just all room. walk into their back room. They're like, whoo, this is a big one. It's like, yeah, bro. Crack the a four locos. We got to talk. Yeah. Do you think that lady wore glasses? Bro, oh shit, dog, <laughs> dog, dude, and they're like doing the Just snap thing it with like a point blank, <laughs> a point break AI. God, dude, now I really want to write. Now I really want to write twelve chill bros. Got twelve bro. chill bros. He's bro. got a good point, bro. 
Shit. You know about those people? Bruh, don't say that. What do you mean those that's people, bro? Cool. Bruh. You're right. I'm going to go sit in the corner and be sad. 12 woke whites. Um, yeah. <laughs> no. 12 angry men has some snap. 12 angry men. Yeah, has snap. But also, like, it's 12 angry men for multiple, a multitude of reasons. Like, you have... You you know you have um I can uh, Warner the uh, is it George Warner Jack Warner uh, whoever the guy is who's trying to go to the baseball game like he's angry because mm-hmm. he's there he wants this to be done Lee J Cobb wants justice whatever that version of justice is for him Peter Fonda Peter Fonda wants questions but Peter Fonda wants people to actually pay attention he doesn't want to just breeze through this like Peter yeah. Fonda's character like during number eight spends the entire movie. Not trying to sweat like he's not swaying. Henry Fonda. We've been saying Peter Fonda. Henry. Is it Henry? Fonda. Dude, Henry. I, I can't tell. There's too many Fondas. Yeah. <laughs> Henry Fonda, just for the My record. Dad. Not Henry Peter. Fonda. Henry Fonda, who also produced this and decided after producing it he never wanted to produce again. Um <laughs> Life lesson. Um Henry Fonda. What if he had to deal with more than one location? <laughs> he's like the whore. Forget it. <laughs> Henry Fonda, though, it's interesting because, like, to me, Henry Fonda just delivers this really interesting performance of, like, it's not necessarily, it's like this weird, like, reverse Glenn Beck where he's just sitting there and goes, I'm just asking questions. Like, he's not being. He's doing the ancient alien's defense. Yeah, I mean, he's not being obtuse or anything like that. <laughs> he's literally saying, like, but why? Like, why do you think it's so open and shut? Like, what about this seems so open and shut to you? And I think that's a really interesting thing for like, you know, for the time, 1957, 12 white guys walk into a room and like, it's a really important thing too, that they don't give away. Like before we get to that part, like juror number 10's little rant where everyone goes, no, not this MAGA, forget it. But like, it's, (laughs) it's a really important thing that, that doesn't come up until much later. Like they're spending so much time on the details and like, um, Lee J Cobb is like, well, who cares about the details? Why are you getting hung up on the little things? It's like, because the little things matter, little things make this matter. And I think that's a really Mm -hmm. important thing about how this jury is swayed to not guilty is because none of them think the little things matter. And I think that's a really important thing and like an overall concept in the movie itself and the story and thematically to me, all little things matter. Everything little about these people that are sitting in this room together comes up. Juror number one, the whole juror number one is a great example. Like um, he tells this story when the when the rain starts coming down, he tells this story how he's an assistant football coach at McCorkle High School and tells this story. It's a small beat. It's a small, meaningless story to literally every the other eleven men in there could not give a shit what Juror Number One thinks. Well, not what he thinks, but to, what he does outside of this place. Mm-hmm. But it's a small enough story for him to realize there's a shadow of doubt over this. Like there's a there's a beat that might not be necessarily open and shut. It's a really fast because like he's probably the most even tempered of the guilty verdict people. Who like yeah. stay? Who like try to kind of like push guilty for a while? It's not until they get a vote of like nine and three that he decides to switch spots. So, to me, that like little details, little things about people are what's really important in this movie, and not just the not just the people, like the all the stuff they bring up about you know the old man with the with the limp and the lady with the glasses and all that shit. 
What's really important is the little things that these people notice about themselves. And, you know, right. Well, that's, that's the trick of the film is that it's trying to remind us that all of this is small. These are small men. Yeah. These are not titans of industry. These are not politicians. These are your neighbors. And we would these are you anyways. Yeah. These are just normal guys, right? The one guy's They're like, yeah, I'm an architect. Guys. I'm an ad guy. I'm a baseball fanatic right they all are someone we know or we are yes so they're trying to remind us that our lives and everything is small and that the things in this case that we look over because as they're watching right watching them relive everything and be like oh because they keep talking about you know i'm sick of the facts facts can be twisted anyway that's like one of the great lines of the movie (sighs) and they're mad because the facts are now going against them right because they didn't take things as facts they took them as Oh, I want to believe a couple of them even said I knew from the jump right on that first go. Mm-hmm. And so I think reminding us of how small all this is. Yeah. And the it is a, it's a it's a wild concept. That we place this enormous fucking burden of jury and possibly executioner on us, on us normal, small people. Right. Right. And the thought that we can't bring in our prejudices and all these other things that the movie gets to. What the movie does a really good job of, especially for the time it was made in, is this movie does a great job of, because, right, so they the first bit around the table, they're painting this kid as guaranteed he did it. Mm-hmm. And you start seeing some subtle racism, like those people, right? He came from a crime, and they're using all that coded dog whistle language and shit, right? right? Yeah. What they do, though, is through the movie, they start, you start seeing the jurors connect evidence and questionable evidence to a personal life experience. Mm-hmm. So what the movie gets back to, especially considering, because again, I know it'll be tired for some people to watch because it's all just old white guys. But what the movie does, even with mostly just old white guys, I think the one guy is Italian, maybe, right? Something like that. Who? Clug- but, Clugman? No, there's a there's a an immigrant man in the oh, jury. Oh, yeah. I think he's supposed to be Italian. But I that's what I thought, too. But anywho, again, not important, but he just has a different lens, right? Naturalized citizen. Right. But you start seeing these things like, oh, well, there's evidence about the L train. Oh, well, I I live by the L train. Oh, the slums. Hey, I grew up in the slums. The knife, right? No one who grew up in a place who knows about knives would stab that way. So you start seeing and that the best example of this is juror four, the glasses guy. Yeah. Right. Who I have a theory about later, but. He's one of those guys. He's the one who's kind of, well, I'll say it now. He plays like the devil in this film, right? He's the John Milton in the room. Wait, because the, what he you does. Mean the, the guy, the piglet, the voice for piglet. The glasses guy, right? Uh, sitting next to, uh, what's his name? Sitting next to juror three, next to Cobb. The guy with the glasses who doesn't sweat, yeah, right? The piglet guy. He, yeah. I don't know what the piglet thing is. The guy with the high voice. No, 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 oh, no. no. Okay. Other side. Oh, so he's the, the other de- guy. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's oh, the devil in the Sorry, system, right? Yes. He's buttoned up. Yep. He's presentable. He's professional. He's not emotional. He lays out the pr- the prosecution's case, right? He plays as he the- He plays the prosecutor. He's the devil of the system, right? This presumed guilt. In a system where we're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty, he is playing the kind of inevitable nefarious side of that, which is people who were other- we're just going to assume that they're bad, right? Because we're, we're in a court of law. He So he plays that crushing system beat really well. And he's the one that they do this to great effect with, right? Where they twice connected to his personal experience, right? He forgot a movie. 
and he forgot or, or he had the glasses, right? Yeah. And only when they relate it to his personal lived experience, can he step outside of himself long enough to have a reasonable right. doubt about another human being? So he watched the whole thing, seeing what he wanted. And for a second, when they give him empathy, right? To sit in that kid's shoes for but one second to question one piece of evidence. Now we've moved on. So the movie for being, again, all old white men, <laughs> does a really good job of highlighting the, ex the importance well, of when the system works its best, we should have a variety of lived experiences, right? That's the theory behind it. And it does do that really well. It does. Like that is absolutely the theory of how the legal system's supposed to work, which is a jury of your peers convicts you yeah. because they've all been in some form of right. Their life is all very, it's and all, you wouldn't much. say this is a jury of his peers. That's not kind a, of the scary part even of the, in the movie. slightest. Like, I think that's yeah, a really right? fascinating <laughs> thing. Of, Cause look in 1957, this very well might've been like completely logical to watch this. 2021 it's bizarre to watch because you're like there's there's no women there's no people of color like there's nothing to like the whole crowd is just homogenized white guys but it is fascinating but like there's one man who's a naturalized citizen so you're saying then like there's one man who's had an experience probably not dissimilar to whatever this boy's going through there's yeah. jack klugman's character who did, grew up in a bad part of town so to speak like, yeah, the more and yeah, like I, I, I like the point you're making, though, like the empathy is what starts bringing these people around. And what's fascinating is this movie goes from being like at the very start. Everyone is there for justice, like justice must be served. And then by mm. the end, it's like it's not justice. It's it's not guilty until proven innocent. It's innocent until proven guilty. Like that is the most important well, thing. About I think this movie. by the end of the movie, we totally switch right where they assume that justice is dropping the fucking hammer. Right, exactly. He even says, uh, what's his name? Cobb says, if this was me, I would smack him down That's, before yeah. the problem well, starts. He has He's all assuming, opinions. right? And by the end, they're starting to realize the gravity of, oh, fuck, what if? And we're going to send this fucking person. The state is going to execute him, and we will by proxy be the executioners, right? right? Well, There's that great scene when Cobb, you know, it's like, He's like, what are you? Why is this vengeance for you? Are you an ex? Are you his executioner? He goes, I'm one of them. Yeah. We'll and it's see. like, that is such an illuminating concept. I agree. Because I don't know if you ever stop. Like, I, I have fucking nightmares about going to jail. To me, it's it's the most inhumane and horrifying and barbaric thought is that we just take people, and especially for nonviolent shit, and we're like, you go live in this box for 30 years. Imagine this year of quarantine where you still had your house and Netflix and video games and shit. Now do that for 30 years in a box. Like, it's fucking crazy. And the casualness with which people are like, throw the book at them. Oh, it's, it's wild to me. You know, it's interesting. I worked I worked um, I worked on a show about kids who had been convicted as minors of like violent yeah. crimes and sentenced to life within, within life in prison. The first episode we did was this place in Denver. And this individual had been convicted to life in prison. He hadn't killed anyone. He had fired a mm -hmm. gun in the air. And a jury of his peers determined that he deserved life in prison. And actually, we interviewed one of the jurors, and they had the like they're like, I disagreed emphatically. And I wrote I wrote a personal letter to the judge and said I disagreed. Like everybody had an opinion about this, and it was interesting because I was watching this and I thought back to that and I was like, 
Cobb's like because Cobb's meltdown like probably in like the middle of the movie essentially essentially the like the face off between Henry Fonda and Cobb is like the big kind of like the inciting incident in the second half of the movie is mm-hmm. he literally yeah he literally just says like why are you so intent on executing like why are you so intent on laying the hammer down on this guy like the justice you're asking for is not justice. You feel powerful. And I think that's the really important thing. And the really fascinating thing about the movie is once the power, once the power argument comes into, into play, everybody starts changing their minds because until then only the old man and uh, only the old, only journey number 10 and uh, or journey number nine and journey number eight were the ones who were like, yeah, it's reasonable doubt here. But it wasn't until he lost his shit, said, I'll kill him, that he took the power. Dude. Like, it's now this power. Is, this is one of those moments where it, it it changed in my mind, right? That is such a cinematic moment. Yeah. Because, again, I'll tell you, I don't know that there's a better staged movie. No. The, the, the setup of where the characters are and how they move in frame is so fucking precise and perfect. Mm-hmm. But in that moment... When he's no, it's when he's bitching about the old man, right? Yeah, and uh, he's yelling about the old man next to Peter, the good old man, right? Not the you know those people, old man. Yeah, <laughs> and he starts saying he's like you know they're debating about the old man walking and this and that, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a somewhat absurd thing. It feels like walking around whatever, and an exact demonstration, right? So he loses it, and he goes, "So what? He's a confused old man. How could you believe anything he said?" And like the cameras comes in. Is all the other jurors are eyes on him. That. And he just goes, he like squints his eyes. He's like, fuck. Yeah. fuck He's like, I done had him. But this, <laughs> and they do that a couple times. Same with the kill moment, right? Mm-hmm. Where, but this gets back to one of the other, this is one of those things I think why this movie still will work today really well is because I think one of the hardest things in life, and I think one of the things we most need to grapple with as a people, is this movie's a really interesting case study for keep your fucking mind open and be swayed by other people and their opinion. We have such a thing in this world where no one is willing to change their minds for fear of being dumb or weak or stupid or, you know, something like that. Once you set your feet in the ground, you never can sway from your side. And you see Cobb going down with the ship, juror number three, because he just cannot admit because, you know, we see that really what he's doing is convicting his son and he's bringing his personal life in. And this is somewhere where he has control and he doesn't want to relinquish it. He thinks juror number eight proving his points to him is him personally attacking. Yes. When they ask him to lay out the evidence, all he's doing is just spouting out his own rage and hate, you know, just instead of eloquently stating the obvious problems like juror eight Fonda, he's just screaming at the fucking universe that dealt him a shitty hand. And so, but the movie shows us the power of if you can keep an open mind and listen and stay calm, how fucking valuable that is. How, and again, the movie never plays it down the line, right? It's always telling us we could be wrong. Right. This kid could have done it, but that's what we're here to do right. is like, they, you got to know if you take his life. Fine. But that's the, that's the, the fucking, the, the ability for us to change our mind. Like how many times have you and I done that where it's like, well, we're arguing now. Like we're going down with this all the way. I and mean, we do it all the time. Like it's just part of the deal. Every like, day. I mean, yeah. this is a really this is a really important and fascinating aspect of the movie is T 
teaching your audience that it's okay to be wrong. Like, it's not a matter of like, this is a movie you walk out of not debating the merits of the case. You debate the merits of these men and whether or not they did the right thing. Like, some people could say that Henry Fonda was a fucking instigator and he was just sitting there the whole time fucking with people. Sure. I mean, look, I can't say that I didn't sit there and think the same thing for like When he said, I don't know if I think he's guilty or not. You're like, well, that's lie number one. (laughs) Let's add that. That's an absolute fucking lie. You walked to the fucking pub or wherever. You walked to the neighborhood and and found the same fucking knife. And you're just like assuming. I don't know. I don't. I'm a pretty wishy-washy fella down here at the end of the table. I don't know. I was like, you fucking clown. Oh, yeah. Not clown. I mean, obviously, he's the defender of all the American legal system. But I was like, you fucking are having these lesser right. fools. I mean, there is this, like, really weird <laughs> idealized thing that, like, said, it's, like, claiming the, the movie is this, like, Capra-esque vibe of, like, this legal system works. And obviously, like, we're all cynics and we've grown up in this, like, horrible society that's been tainted since the 70s by, like, the Nixons of our era and the Clintons of our lives and the Trumps. So, like, we sit here and be like, pfft. There we go, dude. We're just going to get bombarded by boomers now. What have you done? Come at me. But like, you've unleashed the forces of 12 angry boomers. Well, no, my point (laughs) is, though, is like this movie is about like the American legal system working and what it works for. So when you watch Henry Fonda make his points and simply by stating the evidence, because you brought up something really important earlier, and I like it's okay to be wrong. Like, I think that's a really important thing. Like, I'm wrong all the time. Like, life. Mm You can't go through life thinking you're right all the time. Like, no one is right all the time. No one has all the right answers. If you've never been wrong, you're the dumbest person that's ever lived. I give my kid french fries. I know it's bad, but he likes them. (laughs) There you go. Like, like, Oh, is that wrong? Well, then, yeah, add a thousand to my score. Exactly. (laughs) I know I'm wrong. I know that but it's not but even I, being wrong. It's the nature of not feeling like not, you have to always exactly. go down with the shit. Not being absolutely right is really important. Like, yeah. and I think that's a really great value and a really great, interesting lesson. This movie teaches is like, dude, it's okay to change your mind. And it's okay to well, be even taking it out of the court. Like we need this more in life across the board. We talk because the one, the, the best scene as far as talking about, because again, most of these would just be hung juries. Yeah. Or because at one point Fonda even says, well, if you guys all vote against me again, I'll cave in. The movie lets us know that with a little wink, like he knows he's got at least one. But I mean, they got to like the 10th paper before. So there's a chance even he was willing to give up just to kind of go with the flow. So it, it's really scary in that regard. But there's the scene when uh, the baseball lover it's just like, yeah, I'm not guilty now. Let's get this over with. And the guy, the, the legalized immigrant, just is like, like you why? fucking coward. coward. Like, what is yeah. wrong with you? A great moment. And he's like, if you fucking think he's guilty, it's your job, your fucking civic duty to fucking fight for that. And if you think he's innocent, fight for that. Like, what the fuck? And he lays into him and has like, that's because I think <laughs> the sadness of this movie and why it becomes scary, very much like Mr. Smith is, you feel like once you're old enough in the real world that this is not how it works. Yeah. That's how it should. That's the shining example on the hill. But sadly, you're like, most of those are probably like Fonda caves in mm-hmm. or it's just a hung jury. Right. And they even say a couple times, you know, another jury is going to crush this kid. Yeah. 
right? This is his last his last chance, and and they uh, they talk it through, but that's probably not like Fonda. Be, Fonda opens the movie knowing something is amiss, knowing that not that something's amiss in the case, but knowing there's something amiss in the system that has been that's been built, and so does the uh, naturalized citizen guy. Uh, I he's, I don't know, maybe he's Italian. There are people in there who understand the cards are stacked against other people. And I think that's a really fascinating thing because this is like even with a bunch of no votes, like there's still three no votes in the or guilty votes in the room. When juror number 10 starts going off about those people, you know how they are. They're criminals. All of them. When he goes off on this horribly racist rant about like, by the way, we don't know anything about the uh we don't know anything about the um ethnicity of the kid we've we're never told which is yeah like, just what we saw just what and we saw which that, is the back like, of his head and it's very indistinguishable the only thing we and know his is big, he's not, beautiful bambi eyes the only thing we see in the, is he's not northern european that's like that's actually something i read is like he's not northern european if he was in the room with the 12 angry jurors he would be easy to pick out right that's but all you know when that guy starts going off like this is a really fascinating scene to me because like it is a room of 12 white guys like it's a room of 12 white guys and i joked with you i'm like this is like 12 angry men or what whites say in private like honestly like like but all of them knew the guy was wrong and that's a really important beat in the movie is like, you have no idea what you're talking about because he's not talking about facts of any kind. When the facts are thrown out and all he's doing is shouting his opinion to the heavens, all of them turn their backs on him. They're like, you have lost it. And finally the old guy's like, sit down and shut your mouth. Like, but that's, that's the moment. Again, that's another aspirational moment where you're like, that's how it should work. That's exactly world, how it should work. I'm not saying if it does. If someone is talking like that, that we should thing. all fucking turn our backs and fucking be like, hey, when you're ready to like be a man again, be a human right. being, but it's come not, back. But that's because but that's he's not a, spouting. That's facts. another one of those brilliant staging moments, too, is because that's when the devil in the fucking suit, the non-sweating devil. Yeah. He starts to look around the table and size up oh, fuck, these are the people I'm lumped in with. And I think that's one of the important, because you see it throughout the movie, they start clumping them in different groups. Yeah. And you start getting various twos and threes because you see them kind of drifting to people that are, you know, of similar minds. And by the end, because again, that guy's the buttoned up, like, I'm just here to do what's right. When he's the only one maybe left at that table staring right at the face of, oh, fuck, that's the guy who's on my team. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, maybe that's where the first crack happens for him. Again, it's a fascinating and like again, this whole movie is just a horrifying allegory for 2020, 2021. It's it's weird because all these people exist now. Like not a single person in that room doesn't feel authentic even now. And you sit there and watch like a guy like I know that guy who will fucking shout to the rafters. I, I had this experience today. Like it was not anything racist or anything like that but literally like i was talking i said one thing about a movie trailer i watched and was absolutely bombarded by people who are like how could you what is your problem what is your opinion why do you think it is I'm like oh my god guys like i i just asked a question like i just had one thought and it's a fascinating thing because when you think about it this movie is this microcosm of just 
all our lives all the time. It's an evergreen concept that yeah. people sit in a room. We sit on a pod and 12 angry Twitter, users. 12 angry Twitter. users. <laughs> I mean, it's what it is. Like it's a fascinating yeah. thing to watch. And it's like, it's horribly apt <laughs> in like the worst ways and some of the best ways, but like mostly the worst ways because there's, you know, how rare is it to find a Peter Fonda or Henry Fonda? But that's that's why this movie to me will remain evergreen is because what it breaks down to is these basic big concepts of what it means to be not only part of a society, but just a human being. Yes. And I think the movie always comes back to those points. Right. And it is it's almost nauseatingly optimistic, but yeah. it fucking should be. It, it should has be. To be. It doesn't shy away from showing us the bad sides, but it does ask us to believe that the better natures of our soul will win out, right? And I don't know if it does, but again, another cinematic moment I love is the first time that the not guilties take the advantage. Instead of these long shots, right? Wider shots. We cut away to every single person's raised hand. Boom, 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 boom. Just hand after hand after hand close up on the the jury foreman and then from there as we start arguing now we're getting close close on the faces mm -hmm. right because now people are taking it as you're voting them guilty right because they think he's guilty and that that's kind of the brilliance of this right and i mean i i think i i come back to the the old man a lot right like just him saying like when he talks about the old man who gives testimony where he's like, he's not lying. He's just a man who's not been listened to. He hasn't met. It's a hard thing to be nothing. And I think a lot of us, when we get called into service, right? It's, I live in a neighborhood, right? And we have an HOA. And my theory is always people who want to be on the HOA or PTAs or whatever the fuck, right? Should not be allowed because there's something wrong with them. They want to fucking meddle and cause problems. And, and that's kind of how juries feel to me too yes, right is if you're agree. too amped to be on a jury it's like you said you're you're there for other things right there aren't going to be a lot of impartial high-minded people right. probably just carrying out jury duty and you hope there are look my first but this is probably more realistic my first year in la i got called in for jury duty and i got who'd you say andrea was gonna kill <laughs> i got assigned and they were doing jury selection um, and there was a guy sitting next to me who we're in Hollywood, of course, we're in Los Angeles. So there's at least one writer on the panel. There's a guy sitting next to me, taking notes of the proceedings. The judge stops everything. He says, sir, what are you writing down? He goes, Oh, uh, I'm a writer. So I just like, you know, taking notes of what's happening. He goes, don't do that. Puts it down. I'm like, this guy's the fucking meddler. This is the guy who like, this is the, this is the cob of the group. He wants to win the jury. <laughs> So like, he's going to be in that jury room, just like writing the third act. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is like, going to be like, sick. this is going to be great. <laughs> like I saw it like, and there was also, there's a woman sitting next to me. She was a children's book author. And she goes, I don't know what that fucking guy's problem is. I'm like, neither do I. I don't know why you'd ever want to write any of this down. Um, I got out by the way, I didn't have to actually do the, do the trial, but, um, and that's because I knew legal, I knew legal terms. And I told them I didn't know what, um, emotional damage was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're like 
I am emotional. Actually, emotional damage is the, what you the try. lawyer the know. lawyer questioned me and said, "Do you understand what emotional damage is?" I'm like, "I mean, I understand the words you're saying. It just seems stupid." So I'm not good at Mark. it. And and then the yeah, like, get that snarky bitch out of here. And then the judge was like, "Mr. Dandino, if you were, if I was to give you a scale, how to judge, would you be able to figure out?" I'm like, "Well, yeah, obviously." And then two minutes later, like, hey, uh, juror number 16, you can go. I'm like, you're, you're like, pipe down, Judge Judy. I got this. Like, Get that fuck out of here. Get that fucking guy out. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, I would never be I would never be the juror number eight or the juror number three because I'd be fucking out of there. But people who want yeah. to do their civic duty, you're right, are often doing it for the wrong reasons. So when people are called upon to do it, the happenstance and the of rest of us are running away not doing yeah. our civic duty so it's not like i'm some kind of fucking better right of course the rest of us are trying to get out of there i'm not saying we that, just try to dodge but here's the yeah. thing like we are better angels because we're trying to dodge that civic responsibility because quite frankly we don't want to be put in that position i get yeah, it i know i i know i'm not good enough to judge anyone yeah. else in the universe so i, I try to refuse run. to judge anyone else because yeah i'm shit anyways so i like, will judge the shit out of fictional humans but yeah. i try very hard to not do that in life and i'll run sit away. here and judge but i'll sit here and judge juror number 10 all day long but yeah you know because i mean i feel like most of us would look at fonda and say the same thing baseball guy did wait what are you getting out of this kicks like yeah man you're the master of this like it's some kind they think it's his crusade you don't realize till the end is that maybe it's the right thing. I think that's what the movie, the movie is great because it asks us these big questions. The characters are great. It's so captivating. You're being pulled in the screen as the camera gets closer. One last thing before we get out of here. What do you make of the decision to put this during a heat wave? Love that. I mean, it's just yeah, one of those see, great I, visuals. I was it's torn a- because you're like, it feels like it's already going to be tense. Do we need the heat? But there is something extra to it. What does the heat do for you in this movie? I mean, to me, it's the like it's what we've been talking about, like why this works so well as a translation to screen because it's a visual element that, yes, like obviously if it's hot, people want to get the fuck out of there, so they're going to argue as quickly as humanly possible. And like mm-hmm. Fonda does such a good job of like pissing everyone off early by simply being like, eh, I just get some questions, you know, I don't know. And it's hot and sticky and nobody wants to be in there. And then the rain starts coming down. Like, I think that's a really interesting thing is like the rain starts coming down and everyone's like, huh. Like, that's when things start kind of cooling off, so to speak. That's when they figure out the fan works. Because that was like, I was like, another reminder that these are not as observant uh, geniuses as they think they are. (laughs) But I mean, from a like filmmaking standpoint, what it does is gives you the visual representation of pressure which is these guys sweating. Like I noticed um, the, uh, oh, um, the, the, uh, the baseball guy, I think juror number seven was the guy that I noticed, like his shirt had like particular, particular sweat stains. And I think that's a really great visual cue to see how people are. Thank you. God damn. It's fucking driving me nuts. I know. Um, (laughs) Like I've seen him in a million movies and I just couldn't fucking remember his name, but like it's a great visual cue and it works really well for the movie because you're not only in the hot box, you're in a hot seat. anyway. You're not in a hot seat. You're in a hot box. Like overall the pressure cooker is on. And then visually all these guys are sweating because they're trying to figure out what's the right decision here. Well, I love the storm too, because it kind of cuts off the outside world. Yes. And then once the fans on, it's like, now you don't need to run out of this room. Right. Fucking now you sit, have to sit in, in here. 
right? Don't do that hang jury bullshit. Figure this out. It made me wonder. I was like, what if juries had to come to a consensus? What if we threw out hung juries and we said, you have to agree, right? How different the legal system would, I don't know, better or worse. I'm not a fucking scholar. But it does make you think this movie, right? Because if they just go hung, that kid probably suffers the same fate, sadly, right. right? So I don't, I think it's, honestly, I watched it again. I was like, it's just, it's poetry, man. It's this movie really is poetry. And I know it's it's a little probably overly aspirational for some's taste. Yeah. But I think it does a good job of showing the warts. And again, it's that Churchill thing we've talked about this month, right? This is the worst system except for every other system. You know, I wouldn't want to be dealing with like the mad queen in Wonderland that cut off her head, you know, like (laughs) you always have a shot if there's 12, right? It takes one guy can turn it around. One guy being decent and empathetic. Uh, I don't know. I liked, I like seeing themselves. Yeah. I like seeing the devil in the system sweat is the system itself. The visual representation of the stuffy system had to grapple with. Oh, fuck. What have I become? And he sweats one, you know, because the devil sweats, as we learned from Al Pacino, profusely sweats. That's right. Supposedly, supposedly. I'm supposing. I I don't know. I was impressed by how much visual craft was in this movie. This go around. The performances are obviously uh, top flight. The writing is sharp. The staging and cinematography is beautiful. And I think like uh, I think this is a great way to end court. Yeah, because I, I think it's a little bit aspirational, but we got to hope that it can be better. And maybe it reminds us to be better in and out of a, a juror's box, whatever the fuck that's called. One note that I, I read this um, apparently because of the way the, the room was lit, they anytime they changed the, like they couldn't shoot it in one one shot. So they had to shoot all the scenes pointing one direction of lighting in one shot. So, like, these guys were memorizing their lines, but also doing whole chunks outside of context. So imagine doing that and not in just one fell swoop, but literally the movie being like Frankenstein together into this patchwork. And that's what we got. That is absolutely and it's amazing. It's so fucking it's smooth. So the smooth. pacing of it is pure magic. But yeah, that's it, guys, for 12 Angry Men. That's us. Uh, we have reached a verdict. Court movies rule. Splendid. Splendid. Uh, next Love month, me, the pod joins a band. You hear? The pod's starting a band. Bow, 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 bow. We're starting off with what might be my favorite movie of the 2010s. Easily one of the most underappreciated movies uh, that I can think of. Seeing Street, man. A movie that just makes you want to live better. Uh, I can't wait for uh, the pod joins the band month. Thank you guys for doing the court month again. Great guests coming up. Please take a second. Leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Film Alchemist. Please feel free to email us, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Please find us on all the social media you're on and help us spread the word of the pod to your other movie-loving friends. Uh, More than anything, please come back, y'all. You hear... Uh, for the film Alchemist, I'm Josh Goofy. I'm Channel 13, Alex Tandino. I've had enough of this poppycock. I'm out. <laughs>